So Money Episode 864, Stacks House co-founders Patience Ramsey and Kendra Meyer. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. The great thing about Stacks House is it really can be whatever you want it to be, right? You know, if you're somebody that just wants to come and have a really great time and be entertained, you're welcome to come do that. And if you're somebody that really wants some deep education and you want some personalized information and you want to walk out knowing some next steps of how you can become closer to debt free and plan for retirement and empower yourself, there's that too. Do you want to come play with money? Well, I've got something for you. It's called Stacks House. And you just heard from Kendra Meyer, who is a co-founder along with Patience Ramsey and me in this pop-up with a purpose. Really excited to announce that tickets are on sale currently for our LA arrival. You can go to stackshouse.com forward slash tickets. I have a special discount for So Money listeners. Use So Money Stacks LA the code SOMONEYSTACKSLA for 20% off your ticket. We'll be opening doors on April 17th and we will have a limited run in the City of Angels, but the plan is to travel the country with the pop-up. And so if you're not going to be in the LA area uh, during this time, don't worry. We'll hopefully come closer to you as the year progresses. More than just talk about, you know, what is Stacks House on this episode, I thought what better way to get to the behind the scenes of the why than to bring on its co-founders, Patience Ramsey and Kendra Meyer. Now, I met these two ladies back in the summer of 2018, less than a year ago, and I remember the day vividly. We met at The Wing in Soho. They invited me to come and learn about their plans to launch a major company called SheStacks, all about supporting women in their financial endeavors, and they want to close the wealth gap and all that important work, and I was intrigued, to say the least. And our conversation quickly shifted to, okay, so what is going to be the first offering within this massive business? And we all landed on Stacks House. And Stacks House, really the best way to describe it is sort of the Museum of Ice Cream meets Money for Women. If any of you ever been to the Museum of Ice Cream or the Museum of Pizza or Color Factory, you know what I'm talking about. These pop-ups, these out-of-this-world, larger-than-life experiences are kind of all the rage right now. People are lining up. They can't get enough. If you just go on Instagram, you can see all the crazy, sensational, amazing photographs from these experiences. And so we wanted to leverage that popularity, but with a twist. We wanted to create a pop-up with a purpose. And our purpose is to support women on their journey to becoming financially free. Now, this is going to be more than just an episode about what Stacks House is. Of course, this is a conversation about my two co-founders and their storied pasts growing up with not a lot of money, a lot of different kinds of financial experiences that impacted their adult relationship with money and their interest in paying it forward and helping women along their journey. Patience and Kendra are marketing mavens, each with more than 15 years of experience building brands, starting movements, 
utilizing talent and galvanizing communities. Patience is also a founding executive at Good Counsel, Mastery, and the Bloomberg Players Tech Summit. And Kendra is former owner of McLeod Residence, a members-only lounge and art gallery. They both come a very long way from humble beginnings. They'll tell you themselves, Kendra was raised in a one-room log cabin. Patience as the eldest of six children, remembers vividly the day her parents declared bankruptcy. How did all of that influence their money mindset and their desire to support other women along the way? Here's Patience Ramsey and Kendra Meyer. Kendra Meyer and Patience Ramsey, Stacks House co-founders, welcome to So Money. Hi, Patience. Hey. <laughs> awesome What's up, girl? What is up? This is unusual. We're usually face to face. We've been hanging out a lot over the past several months. People listening, you may know, I've been talking about this on the show a lot. Uh, just this uh, really exciting venture that the three of us are, are taking on called Stacks House. And Stacks House is a pop-up. You may have been to things like Color Factory, Museum of Ice Cream. Well, Stacks House is you know, riding on the wave of pop-ups, all the cultural um, fascination that we have with pop-ups, but it has a purpose. And it's the purpose is to help women in particular achieve financial literacy and independence. And we want to close all the gaps. Uh, This was not my idea, which is why I have Patience and Kendra on the show, because they can explain to you much better the genesis of this, why uh, they're moving forward with this project, why they've decided to bring me on board. I'm so grateful. Um, and also, you two have some incredible experiences, life experiences, your backgrounds, why you have such a strong sense of direction in your life and why you care so much about personal finance is really, really important, I think, for everyone to hear. So first, just thank you for including me in this journey and for being on the show. We couldn't do it without you, girl. Thank you for being with us. It's a wild time. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Wow. We'll get we'll get into some of the wildness shortly. People have been hearing snippets on the podcast. I just want to warn you that I have been saying things like there will be a tell all. There will be you know, an E! True Hollywood story You know, between the funding and the production. There's a lot of good stories. But maybe we could take a step back and first talk about what is Stacks House. The two of you came up with this idea together as you go back way back as friends and, and colleagues. But, you know, why don't you two just take this, take the floor and explain kind of what, what this is all about? Sure. Um, I can start. This is Kendra. So uh, Patience and I worked together um, years and years ago in an, experien- in, in an experiential agency called Momentum. And we had just like a, a mad respect for one another. We didn't get to work on too many projects together, but we were able to see enough of how one another operated to just kind of see each other from across the room and be like, I see you, girl, you're a boss. Um, so we kept in touch. You know, We weren't sure how we were going to work together, but we knew our paths would cross again. And um, she was sort of working on like a, a, a power women's networking kind of idea. And I was down to help her. And then the election happened. Um, and us, like many women, were pretty rocked by the election, had a lot of sort of emotional breakthroughs, breakdowns around the election. And both of us came to our own sort of conclusions that, you know, this really was about, you know, power. And until women were able to sort of have, um, you know, uh, have financial equity and, and financial literacy, we would never really have pre-equality. So 
um, patients and I had been talking about, you know, this other business and we just both had these epiphanies around money. Um, and we started talking about what we could do, what, what our backgrounds in, you know, experiential and marketing and business and building movements and connecting communities. Like how could we possibly get into this space and do things differently in a way nobody really had, um, uh, to try and like come in and, and help, help women um, regain power through um, financial confidence. And that's how our parent company, um, SheStacks, was born. So SheStacks was born over two years ago. And, um, you know, it's been a long journey to get here. But Stacks House really is our, our kind of first offering and our launch pad for our broader company, SheStacks. I'm always fascinated with people who take on entrepreneurial paths like... It is a lot of work. I mean, if anyone's going to tell you that starting a business is easy, they're lying. Uh, we are in it right now, experiencing all the ups and downs. You both kept your day jobs while building SheStacks on the side. What kept you going? Because that's hard. You both have big jobs. You have big professions. This is a huge undertaking. And it requires a lot of stamina, a lot of devotion. Like, What do you think was it for you, for each of you, to, that just kept it kept you going? I think, and this is patience, I think we just believed in the idea so much. I mean, two years is a long time to sort of be in the trenches, not having a proof of concept yet. Um, we had a lot of obstacles. There's like so many things that happened in those two years. We made some bad choices. We spent money unnecessarily. We went down a bunch of different like rabbit holes, but we just really felt like we had the right idea from a macro perspective and we're convinced that we were going to figure it out. And also, um, I think when, like when I was ready to give up, Kendra like roped me back in and made me like stay the course and vice versa. I think we really did a good job of keeping each other like engaged and continuing this journey. Oh, I didn't know this. <laughs> there were many times when we're like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, what is this? Like the, the decks on decks on decks game got real old, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. And and so you landed on this idea of a pop-up. Why? I know some of you don't even like pop-ups, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think they're great. They serve a purpose, but I always just was like, oh, that's definitely not for me. Um, but I, you know, and Kendra can attest to this. We we have a ton of great big business ideas, but we came to the realization that we actually don't know what women want. Like we know what women like us in New York, like what, what we would be drawn to, but it's not really about us. We want to like connect with a much bigger network of women. Um, and we didn't necessarily know which of the ideas would work in, you know, places where I'm from, like Rossville, Indiana, or where Kendra is from in Idaho and just felt like, Maybe we need to take a pause and get to know the women that we want to connect with first um, and then go into our bigger business idea second. And we we both have very big careers in experiential and felt like we should really lean into what we know best and build experiences and community around this, this idea. And, and pop-ups seem like the natural way to do that to start. Well, I have to tell you when you, when we met at the wing that fateful day in the summer and you and we were meeting for the first time and we were connected through mutual friends and you shared this idea with me immediately I thought yes 100,010% yes this is definitely something that I know women and men will be excited to attend I know this has a lot of media value I think people are going to be really excited to talk about this share this and I don't think it's just like, it is partly the moment that we're in now in the world that we're, you know, we're obsessed with Instagram. But I think it's also that whether we're, it's 2019 or 2009 or 1984, people really crave 
community. They really want to be able to be held accountable. We know this now. The science has proven that in order to really accomplish your goals, whether that's like running a marathon or finishing college or getting out of debt, that you need support. You need accountability. And this is what Stacks House is aiming to accomplish, that it's not just this one and done experience that you're going to leave feeling empowered and hopefully leaving with um, a sense of, of that you have a community, that we're here for you, that this is just the beginning of a relationship. Kendra, you're the creative genius behind this. I mean, in terms of ideating all the rooms and the concepts, give us a little bit of flavor for what people can expect for those of you who are traveling to LA for this. I know some of you bought tickets and you're going, some of you are local. Whoever you are, thank you for coming. We have a, a lot in store for you. But Kendra, tell us a little bit about what we can um, enjoy at Stacks House. I think that the great thing about Stacks House is it really can be whatever you want it to be, right? You know, if you're somebody that just wants to come and have a really great time and be entertained and, you know, share something fun with, with your people, you're welcome to come do that. And if you're somebody that really wants some deep education and you want some personalized information and you want to walk out knowing some next steps of how you can, you know, help become closer to debt free and plan for retirement and empower yourself. Um, there's that too. So it's really, it's exciting because, you know, normally, you know, when you're creating these sorts of things, um, you know, it's, it's all fun. It's like the ice cream, the pizza, all these things. It's all about, you know, taking something that people already love and have this affinity for and then just making it even more uh, beautiful, even more, uh, you know, designed, even more whimsical. And, and for this, it was such a unique, exciting opportunity. Why we decided to do this is like, you know, matching up something um, like money, which is very alluring and sexy, but also there's all this emotion tied to this. There's all this drama. There's all this trepidation because we know we aren't doing enough as women. We know that uh, we aren't, uh, we aren't talking about it enough. We aren't educated enough about about it. And so, you know, I think a lot of these rooms are there to add some joy, add some levity, as well as some some reality, right? So it's been a really fun, interesting dance, you know, this, you know, making sure that there's plenty of fun there. And everywhere you look and every turn is an opportunity for, you know, content and sharing and, and uh, positivity, but also really, you know, if you want to walk out of there with some clear next steps, like we've got you. So I think that's been really great, you know, whether, you know, we've got like everything from like a retirement rodeo, where you're going to like ride a pig and again, something really, really fun. Um, but while you're doing it, you're actually learning that like, yeah, the market goes up and down and around and it's, you know, seemingly this, you know, pretty scary thing. But if you hold on, um, you know, you learn the value of compound interest in this really simple way. And that's, you know, the foundation for everything we do is making financial literacy simple, sexy, and social. And, you know, the simple is obvious because, you know, it's complicated and, also, we don't have time for that. The, the sexy is also, you know, it, it has to be fun. It has to be alluring or we aren't going to do it. And the social speaks to what you said, which is, you know, that community being so, so core to doing anything that is difficult. So, so there's, there's a lot of good stuff. There's, yeah, the rodeo is one of our faves. Also, there's like the debt boxing room is going to be amazing. Um, the gold bar is really beautiful. There's, there's, there's so much there that's, I think, you know, like I said, you can really get whatever you want out of it, whether that's just to come and play and you're welcome to do that or come and really um, educate yourself. 
And just a shout out to our brand partners who are helping to make um, Stacks House possible. You mentioned the Retirement Rodeo that's in partnership with Charles Schwab. We have Zell, who's dedicating a a huge space in in Stacks House to helping women better understand the sort of money moves that can really um, drive their their finances forward. We have Day Owl, who's sponsoring our bar, which will be really fun. Not a lot of uh, pop-ups have like a place for people to actually hang out. And that was really important to us as we were building this out. Yeah. And Bulletin too, I think, you know, this is the first time, I don't know if, if your listeners are, are fans of Bulletin, but they're an incredible um, partner that we have in our stock shop, um, which is going to be full of like literally thousands of women made, women created and concepted gifts, everything from like sick crop tops and hats to jewelry. And they're a, you know, a women founded and led a company, a feminist company out of New York um, that's now broad, branching into LA. So it's going to be their first ever pop-up too. So yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not only that journey through the rooms, but also you get to hang, you get to shop, you get to take a breather, have a drink with your, with your girls, your squad, whoever you brought and really get to kind of digest and talk about your next steps and how you're going to take that information that you just got and really apply it into your everyday life. Cause that's, that's what we want. You know, we want women walking out of here, you know, really inspired and empowered with a, a few really great next steps to, again, continue that journey, you know, with us and our partners. I'm so excited. I just can't wait to be in LA where it's warmer here than in New York. Um, definitely worth the flight, anyone listening from the East Coast. But if you are interested in attending, please visit stackshouse.com. We've got all the goodies there, including tickets. And you can learn more about um, just what's what's in store for you there. Let's uh, learn a little bit more about your personal financial perspectives and your backgrounds. So fascinating. I know, patients, you have mentioned that financial uncertainty and scarcity has been a theme throughout your life, um, which is what really has compelled you to, to, to take on She Stacks and Stacks House. Tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah. So I grew up in uh, you know meager setting, um, rural Indiana. Um, our, you know, my parents, um, we, we never really had much and they actually instilled a crazy work ethic in me because I had to go and get every, like, figure things out for myself. So if I, if I wanted a pair of sneakers for basketball camp, I had to figure out how to buy them. And so, um, we just didn't have a lot. And, um, I, so there's a lot of positives about work ethic and like hustling and figuring it out on the flip side, there's just like this real fear about money and this growing up feeling like there's never enough. And there's always like some level of scarcity that is going to haunt me for the rest of my life. I've really had that, um, be my experience. Um, part of the the conversations I was having with Kendra, you know, in 2016, were around this idea of like, how do I get out in front of this? And like, once and for all, take control of my finances, because a lot of that is just, was just sort of instilled in me very accidentally by my, by my upbringing. What's your most uh, visceral money memory as a kid growing up? You mentioned having to buy your own shoes for basketball and, and for basketball camp, but like, is there, is there something that you experienced or witnessed Mm -hmm. that was so powerful that maybe at the time you didn't realize the impact it was going to have on you, but as a female adult woman, now you're like, wow, that's, Mm -hmm. that's a lot that I've had to take on with me and unpack. I think for me, the, the, the biggest like scary moment, um, well, my parents declared bankruptcy when I was young and that was really like very, there's so much uncertainty around that. Like, are we going to lose our house? Like what's going to happen to us? Because we don't, we are literally declaring bankruptcy. And I didn't really understand like all the implications and what that meant. So that was a huge thing for me. But then 
I realized, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I think my sophomore year, maybe sophomore, junior in high school, I was very dead set on going to school. Um, I wanted to get a college degree and I didn't really know how to make that happen. And it dawned on me, and it, this may have been a, a conversation I have with my parents. I don't recall specifically like the, the setting I was in, but when I realized like there was no money for school and the just, I was so disappointed and so upset. My poor parents, I was so mad at them. I was like, how is there no money for school? I should have known better. I just didn't, I don't think I realized what it would take to get an education. Um, and, and that I also had no concept of how I would put myself through school. And that was a very, um, upsetting and scary moment. And then I just got down to the business of educating myself and learning about scholarships and student loans and all that stuff and figured it out. And that was when I realized like, okay, I'm going to be able to figure this out and, and be okay with my life. But there was always this sense of a little bit of dread when anything new financially presented itself, because it was just so foreign to me. It makes sense to know you now. I mean, I don't know you that well. I've known you for like a year, but just mm-hmm. we've also spent a lot of time together. So maybe that's like five years <laughs> in, in, um, it is like dog years, in like dog years. <laughs> but you're, you're the get it done lady. Like you I get things be, yeah. done. You, you have been tasked with huge responsibilities. Like I believe someone said to you, um, hi, can you go throw the Budweiser music festival? And you're like, okay, <laughs> I'm right on top of that. And you no did problem. it. No problem. <laughs> Um, and so now Kendra, tell me a little bit about, you know, your background. I know that you often talk about living your childhood in a one room log cabin in the woods of North Idaho without running water or electricity. I, I don't think I've ever met anybody who has had your story, who is who you are too. Like this woman boss who is, uh, just, you know, you're so on the other side of that now. So tell me about your childhood with no running water. Yeah. That's I've come a long incredible. way, baby. That's for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I grew up, I was an only child and my parents, um, who, you know, they didn't last long. My mom, my mom didn't last in that situation very long, but you know, they definitely were that, late seventies, let's leave all the, you know, <laughs> tradition behind, leave the city and just go off the grid. It was that. Who off- needs water? Yeah. It was that off the grid moment, man. Don't we add water? It was just a hand pump, you know, you hand pump it <laughs> from the Creek. I mean, Creek water is, you know, cold. It's <laughs> compromising parasites, I'm sure. But yeah, so it was, um, you know, <laughs> my early memories are pretty, pretty interesting you know we, that full outhouse and when it's too cold to go to the outhouse there's newspaper I mean it was real like it was like a, a very but you know all my my only friends were friends that lived in also one room log cabins a few miles down the woods there wasn't really streets there's just woods <laughs> or living in teepees you know so this was it was kind of all I knew for a while um you know it's like I didn't think, you know, it was bad to be on food stamps or live off the land or all these other things. Cause like, that's just how it was. So it wasn't, you know, until kind of later, I, I moved, you know, as a child to a small town. Um, and, uh, we did have running water and electricity lived on a big farm, but again, where we just ate everything that we grew and, you know, you know, everything from making bread, from grinding down, you know, making fly flour, all that really, really like a true, 
almost like I, what people would expect almost Amish people, I guess. We had draft horses that plowed the fields and like the whole thing. So, you know, my relationship with money, it was always very like, it was so obtuse because it was like everything was from the land. And, you know, I didn't realize until I got older and kind of understood and felt the shame of like, oh yeah, you know, we were poor. But also, you know, we'd go visit my mom's parents a few times a year who were like, wealthy upper Arlington, uh, Ohio people. And so every time I went there, I got exposed. My grandmother would watch lifestyles of the rich and famous mm. I was in bed with emphysema, breathing through a tube from smoking. And I would spend all day in bed with her watching lifestyles of the rich and famous. And I'll never forget that that was like a fundamentally, you know, driving thing for me. Like, you know, I just like knowing that there was this other life uh, that I, you know, connected to, I just was always driven to get out of the woods, get out of the woods, get to the city. I didn't even know what that meant because, you know, I didn't even have TV till I was 16. But like, I knew that there was somewhere else I wanted to be in a different kind of life. And man, I mean, I was driven, you know, I, I didn't, I never got to be until college. I was trying to get out get somewhere. And I didn't know where that was or what it'd be. But, um, you know, I definitely knew that, 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 uh, log cabin living wasn't for me forever. No, (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure. And so you arrive in New York by way of, uh, Seattle, I believe, right? yeah. Yeah. And so when you got to New York, like, what did you think? What was your plan? Well, actually, interestingly enough, my plan did have something to do with money. So in my kind of uh, late 20s, mid 30s, I just worked my butt off in advertising. And I'd also uh, sort of uh, co-owned and operated a a members only art gallery uh, and lounge called McLeod Residence. And I had my own production company. I was just working like a dog. Um, And, you know, I was still having to like asked my mom for money to pay my taxes and stuff. I was living, I was working so hard and just living paycheck to paycheck. And, um, when I moved to New York, it was this decision to really, uh, upgrade myself financially. And I made the decision, um, to, I, I actually asked, I asked a few male friends what they, what they made as, as creative directors and ACDs. Um, this was a long time before shout your salary and all that, but I was like, I want to know what they're making. And when I found out what they made, um, I got so angry, uh, that I, I didn't want equality. I wanted retribution. I was, I was on a mission. Um, and so when I made that move, I asked for twice the salary I was making, got it, and then decided uh, that I wanted to make four times that in five years. Um, and six years later, I made six times what I made in Seattle. Um, so I <laughs> I achieved my goal for sure, and then some. Um, and obviously now I'm, I'm not making that kind of money because I'm not working as much as I'm building this business, but I really just felt like I wanted to make up for those years that I was so over, you know, overworked and underpaid. Um, and part of that was to, you know, again, dump, dump some money into my retirement. Cause I, I hadn't been doing any of that. Cause I always thought, well, you start saving for retirement once you have extra money, right? You, once you have extra money, then you can start investing it. And then once you, you know, you finally learn that actually, no, you, you're now you're playing catch up. Well, you have to do something about it. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it took a, it took a lot of work and a lot of jumping around to make that happen. It's an interesting aspect to your story that these two men were the ones who 
kind of gave you that transparency to allow you to step it up in your in your financial life. And so, you know, I've been getting this question a lot as we've been talking about Stacks House with the press is like, what is financial feminism? What is what is what do you want men's role to be here? Should they play a role? What is how can we come together? Because Stacks House, you know, it's designed with women in mind, but we're open to everybody to come. I want to make that clear. But what is financial feminism to you? And what do you think about men's participation in this and what should it be? What does financial feminism mean to us? What should it be? That's a really deep question. I've never been asked that before, Farnoosh. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, the first time someone um, asked me, I kind of yeah. I kind of stumped on it too. Yeah. I was like, uh, yeah. I don't, I, I, I use this oh, expression no. a lot. I don't really think about what it means. I think it just basic because it's so basic. It's like, it just means financial equality for women. It's like, if you believe in feminism, which is like women should have equal access to, to everything and equal rights. Yeah. And I think that's like kind of the fundamental thing that we all believe should be happening and we're make we want to do our part to make sure it does happen but it feels like for what we're building it feels like basically us creating our own lane to do it ourselves um and everyone is welcome to the party um like there's actually a lot of men that are supporting our mission and play a critical role in our success um but we we feel like instead of waiting around and hoping either someone swoops in to help us figure it out or um, you know, whatever the case may be, like we're just owning it and, and taking control for ourselves. And I think that's a, a big part of what feminism is all about. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, we can't do this alone, right? It's not a singular effort. I think that we need men and women to come together for the purposes of, you know, a lot of things like sharing salaries and being advocates. And frankly, when women are making more everyone wins. I mean, it's, it's a win-win proposition. So I think that for that alone, I think we need everybody on board. Everybody should get on board. Now, our sponsor for this episode is Chase and it's Women's History Month, March. So we are asking guests this month, what is the best advice that you got, a financial piece of advice from a woman? Kendra, you go first. I mean, I, I think it's, it's not necessarily like a piece of advice, like a, a quote, something sexy. I just know that um, my mother instilled in me not going into debt. And so much so, you know, we, we ran a bed and breakfast for years um, as a way for her to save up money for a down payment for a house. Um, and so we, we worked, it, worked for this bed and breakfast so we could live rent free so she could save up. And, it, you know, just the way she lived and what she instilled in me of just not, you know, not carrying debt. Uh, that that informed my choice of where to go to college. I stayed in state, even though I got accepted uh, at six other colleges around the country. I really wanted to get out of Idaho desperately, <laughs> desperately. <laughs> um, I did not. I stayed because tuition was so low, um, and I knew I could graduate without debt. And you know, just early on, without knowing anything about anything, I just, I, I just, she always instilled that in me. And you know, I, I have to say, I have never carried credit card debt. Um, outside of my mortgage, I've I've always been debt free, and no matter the level I was at, you know, I obviously was able to get help from her here and there to pay taxes or big chunks of money um, over the years, which is very fortunate. But um, that I think has been just so so important because I think so so many Americans, you know, uh, women especially, but you know, just often get caught in the trap that 
um, you know, culture teaches us, which is like, it's okay to carry all this debt. And obviously just with the way our education system is built, you, you have to, and it's just crippling and it's something you can't get out from under for so long. And that that is probably the most important thing, um, that I learned from a woman uh, that's really helped me be able to achieve what I have now. I love that. You guys have helped each other out. That's so, that's such a great mother daughter bond. It sounds like. Yeah. 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 She's going to be happy that I said that. I didn't even mean to, but it's true. It's true. You know? Yeah. Shout out to moms. Patience, how about you? Is there a, a woman in your life, maybe a relative or just someone you admire, even if it was just. I know I have so many mentors who have no idea who I am because I just love to, <laughs> like, I just love to, I, I admire people from a distance and I learn a lot about people from a distance. Yeah. So my experience is very different from Kendra. I actually accumulated such an overwhelming amount of debt that it was, it was, I felt like I was choking. Like I it was in my twenties and I put myself through school. So I had a pretty hefty student loan bill. Um, but I also moved to New York on like the, like a $25,000 annual salary. And even back then that's no money. Um, so I was like living my, like I was paying for groceries on credit. Like I had no money. I had a meager salary and the cost of living in New York was beyond my capacity. And so I quickly racked up, like, I don't remember the exact number. It would actually be really interesting to go back and see if I can find my old spreadsheets. But I think I racked up like $60,000 of credit card debt in my twenties. And that to me was just insurmountable. And it was very, very scary. Um, and I, but again, being the person who's just going to figure it out, I remember, um, going into a Barnes and Nobles on a Friday, just feeling really depressed and really overwhelmed. I went to the finance section and I found a book called Young, Fabulous and Broke by Susie Orman. And I was like, well, that's pretty much me. <laughs> like I just knew that was my book. And I took it home and I read it and I downloaded the spreadsheets on her website and I figured out how to climb my way out of debt. And it was such a, just the toolkit that she provided was so common sense and useful, but something I would have never in my life known how to do for myself. So that was for me such a big deal. And I think it, I think it took me like five years, but I got out of it. And, um, that I, you know, I wish I had taken it a step further and like learned how to invest for myself and do all these other things, but we're getting there and that, that takes time. Um, but, um, that was for me, a really big deal, really breakthrough. And so thank you, Susie Yorman. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Susie. She is fabulous. And I hope she comes to Stack's house. I think that, that um, we should, amazing. we should, we should have the book sitting in Stack's house because I, I still have it to this day. Incredible. All right, ladies, let's do some so money fill in the blanks. This is when I start a sentence and then you finish it. And we'll just do kind of, you know, whoever wants to go and say you can fill it in. And there's no pressure to like come up with something extraordinary. Just whatever's on the top of your head, whatever comes first to mind. Okay. Okay. One thing I spend on that makes my life easier or better is? Sun basket food delivery. Ooh. You know, they were a sponsor for this show and that was, oh, that was not an intended plug. Oh, so good. So good. Patience. I'm big on like just self-care. So things like massage and mani-pedis and those little things that I know add up, but really make me feel like I'm patching myself back together at the end of every week. Yes. All right. When I donate, I like to give back to blank because... 
I like to give to children's educational charities or even donors choose like directly into school Mm -hmm. classrooms. Um, For some reason, it's always been like just such a huge passion of mine, the idea of like helping children become empowered. Um, And I look forward to the day when she stacks is doing that, you know, across the country. Yes. And Kendra? Um, I've raised lots and lots and lots of money over the years for Planned Parenthood. Um, I have a just a ton of personal stories and, and women in my life who they have helped deeply in really intense situations. And um, obviously, it's a critical time for them and women in general in our rights. So that, that tends to be my go-to. Me too. Yes. Yeah. Love Planned Parenthood. And yeah. last but not least, I'm okay. I'm going to start with Kendra. I'm Kendra Meyer. I'm so money because. <laughs> um, I'm so money because I'm, I'm actually doing the thing I, I'm talking about. I think it's so, I think it's so easy to have ideas and it's so difficult to actually bring them to fruition. And so that's the thing that I'm so proud of right now. You know, as hard as it is, I'm just incredibly proud. And that's what makes me feel like I'm so money is like, I'm doing it. Doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Patience. I'm so money because. It's very much what Kendra said. Like, you can't tell me no. I'm so money because I'm going to figure shit out. And if I can't say the word shit, I'm so money because I am I refuse to give up. We can say shit. Oh, okay. <laughs> we can say it. In that context, we can definitely say it. Okay. <laughs> Ladies, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to being together uh, at Stack's house uh, this is like going to be a really emotional moment well, for wait, all of can us. Say something about you, Farnoosh. Okay. We, 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 I mean, I'm not that we're here to interview you, but it's been, it was our honor when you accepted our invitation to join us as a partner. Kendra and I literally lost our minds screaming and jumping up and down. And it's been, <laughs> we were, we were flattered that you would consider joining us. And it's been just an absolute like pleasure to have you Aww. on the team. So thank you. Well, thank you. The feeling is so mutual. I, I really am counting my lucky stars. I feel as though, you know, you you, you do the good work and you, you, you treat people well and you hope that, you know, one day someone in your past will recommend you to someone like Patience <laughs> and Kendra, which is exactly what happened. Yeah. I didn't burn any bridges and I got, I, I, I won the lottery ticket. Seriously. I got the, I got the jackpot when I met the two of you, your ideas, your, um, your plans to build this uh, are just remarkable. And, you know, I'm just I'm so excited to be a part of it and to lend any support I can. So and if I may, Stacks House, I'd love to give Tony, yeah. Tony at Bloomberg a shout out for, for being the matchmaker here. Yes. Tony Haskell at Bloomberg, if you're listening, I know you are. Um, thank you so much for bringing us three together. And we hope we'll see you at Stacks House. And we hope to see everybody at Stacks House. Remember, go to StacksHouse.com to get all the information as well as where to get tickets. Um, we hope to see you there. And ladies, thank you so much. Thank you, Fernand. Thank you, Fernand. Thanks to everyone for joining us. Remember, you can get tickets at stackshouse.com. Use so money stacks LA, the code so money stacks LA for 20% off your ticket. Tickets are on sale now for our April 17th activation in Los Angeles. We'll be there for several weeks. 
but tickets are selling quickly. So make sure to get on there as soon as you can to reserve your spot. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And I hope your day is so money. Money.